Conquest, episode 43, a sequel chat movie review of Wonder Woman. Warning, Sequel Chat is a movie lover's podcast featuring discussions of the latest cinematic sequels in theaters now. These weekend of release reviews are spoiler-filled and highly flammable, so please use caution when listening. You have been warned. And welcome back to this week's Sequel Chat. We are going to be talking about Wonder Woman and will be spoiler-rific, spoiler-heavy, spoiler-everything. So if you've not seen this movie, why haven't you? And you should pause, go see the movie, come back, and make sure to hit us up on Twitter or Facebook and give us your thoughts on the film. I have Adam and Colton with me. Hi. I'm feeling wonderful. Kind of start off, guys. What is your definitive version of Wonder Woman? Because growing up, I wasn't a huge DC fan, but I did watch like the the Justice League cartoons, and so the the flirtatious version of her with Batman. That's kind of the Wonder Woman I know and grew up with. Colton, what? Which one is yours? Uh, yeah, the animated Bruce Tim version for Justice League. I believe we're talking about the same one. I think so. I want to make sure we're not accidentally talking about Super Friends or anything. No. Oh, okay. no, no, no. Uh, yeah, the early 2000s Justice League show, that was the real delving into Wonder Woman. That I mean, I'd always kind of heard of her from seeing merchandise, seeing little clips on TV from the old Linda Carter show from the 70s. But really diving into the character, I learned through it through what they called the Deaniverse. Writer Paul Dini. Right, right. He wrote Batman, Superman, uh, Justice League, all those DC shows. And that interpretation of Wonder Woman is the one that I really uh, sink my teeth. Adam, what about you? Well, that's interesting. The Justice League cartoon interpretation is the version of Wonder Woman. I'm not familiar with. <laughs> wow. So you guys it's, it's on Netflix, void. so you can go binge and enjoy. Enjoy indeed, yeah. Yeah, I, I need I need to delve in there. Yeah, because I've heard it's wonderful. I just never have time. So for me, like most people, you know, I've seen a handful of the Linda Carter show from the 70s and, you know, Super Friends and all that. But for me, the actual definitive version of Wonder Woman came from the comics because, you know, I started collecting comics in the early 90s. And at that time, there was a guy named George Perez who just had a wonderful run. I mean, he had like Teen Titans and a bunch of other comics I was collecting. And then I picked up a few of his issues of Wonder Woman. And he just did such a wonderful job, not only with he's an amazing artist, so the illustrations, but he was also writing it. And he tied it all to Greek mythology. It actually led into this crossover event that was uh, called War of the Gods, where the DC superheroes were actually against, you know, uh, all the different, you know, gods. Uh, you know, whether it was Ares or uh, I always forget if Hermes is the is the Greek one that's faster or not. I remember the Flash yeah, was racing him. But anyway, if you go back and look at what George Perez did, he just he lights. Okay, <laughs> but basically, like when I think of the comics, I think of George Perez, Wonder Woman, and everything else. I was like, oh, that was cute. That was a nice interpretation, but it just doesn't hit as uh, hit home as hard as what he did with her. What did the anticipation feel like for you, Adam, for this this movie? Um, I actually was, you know, with every DC film so far, you know, Suicide Squad was my favorite in terms of just entertainment factor. That's the one that, like, I, I own it. I actually own them all, but Suicide Squad is the only one I go back and watch over and over again. Batman v Superman, no, you know, Man of 
field no but i'll go and get into uh, suicide squad all the time so when wonder woman was coming up she was the bright spot in batman v superman so for me i was like okay finally something i can look forward to and Zack snyder seems only tangentially related to this and so i was like i think they could do it an okay job with this interpretation plus the idea of having a female director all of that i just said you know what i'm very excited about this gal gadot was wonderful in the few minutes of screen time she had i'd love to see her carry a movie so i was very excited going into this colton what about you well um a lot of people felt that she was kind of tacked on in batman v superman and while i agree with that that doesn't bother me and yes i was impressed by uh the limited screen time she had in that film and so that had me looking forward to her movie. Um, yeah, the director, Patty Jenkins, hasn't directed anything theatrically in like 12 years. Yeah, it's been a little while. And she wasn't the first choice either. Mm-hmm. There was another female director that was in line to do it who clashed uh, story-wise mm-hmm. with, I believe, Zack and Deborah Snyder. Because that's who had the main story yeah. development here. Mm-hmm. Um so basically, I was a little worried that somebody... I mean, don't worry, she's been directing on TV, but she hadn't directed anything in 12 years, and so that had me tugging my collar a little bit. But at the same time, high risk, high payoff. If this ends up being any good, you know, it would... I get annoyed when people try to pat themselves on the back for social issues and stuff, but, you know, I, I consider myself at least one of those people who hopes that Hollywood becomes a little bit more of an inviting place for uh, female directors to step up to the plate, you know? And so I was anticipating that. I was anticipating having a well-realized story so that uh, Wonder Woman would be able to cross over for this generation. Because, you know, nothing against Linda Carter, but there was a bit of corniness to some of the earlier stuff. It's like Adam West Batman. Yeah. Like, similar style. They tried to bring Wonder Woman back for TV a few years ago with uh, David E. Kelly, the producer behind a lot of legal dramas. I never got around to seeing the pilot, but I heard bad things. So I was yeah. worried. I've about... seen it. I've seen it. It's okay. it's it's a mess. It's got too much going on in it. There's there's like three identities that Wonder Woman has in that story, oh. and you're just like, wait, she's Wonder Woman, and she's Diana Prince, and she has a third identity when she wants to be yeah. a normal person, and she runs a, a corporation. Like it was just it was too much, way too much. So I mean, Adrian Pilecki looked cool in the costume. <laughs> yeah. Her action was cool, but the rest of it was just like, now story wise, this I, doesn't work. I'm kind of glad that fell apart because we got to have her as mm-hmm. Mockingbird in Agents, Agents of, Shield. of Shield. Yes, yeah. that was a step up. So when the embargo got lifted on this movie and all this positive buzz started coming in, I got now, so hopeful. Now that is where I really want to talk about this because coming into it, we know uh, we had the huge trailer come out last year at San Diego Comic-Con. That got all the buzz. Like that trailer won Comic-Con, mm-hmm. quote unquote. And then virtually like nothing. Like you get a trailer here and there. There weren't billboards. Mm -hmm. There were no advertisements. There was a big advertising vacuum. It was just nothing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Marvel dropped Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I kind of anticipated they were going to wait until Guardians hit. Mm -hmm. Let Guardians come in. Let it just flood the market. And then once they start pulling back and quit advertising it, boom, Wonder Woman is on. And it was literally a week after Guardians opened... All those billboards started moving and became Wonder Woman and billboards. So I I was excited for it, but hesitant because we all know how this DC has burned us in the past. And mm-hmm. 
this time, it, it feels like maybe they did something right. They're building capital again to restore confidence after the because Flash has been in limbo for a while. Yeah, there was rumors Still that Ben limbo. Aff- oh yeah, but you know Ben Affleck is thinking about not wanting to be Batman much longer, and just it just seemed like there was just a lot of chaos going on. Warner Brothers has gained a reputation as being a very reactive studio. If they sense even anything amiss from audience reactions they immediately uh drop their guns instead of sticking to them which that comes into play Mm -hmm. because they held that embargo forever they held it what a week week and a half before which is a long time in movie fan oh yeah yeah and it was as soon as that dropped and the positive reviews came out and there actually was a rotten tomato score for it and it, the projections went from a fifty million dollar opening to nearly a hundred, and I believe the they crossed a hundred this month or this this opening weekend. Um, Adam, go for it. I'll look up the uh, the opening. All right. Well, yeah. Well, the one thing I wanted to say about this that's it was exciting uh, is also just going back to Gal Gadot when you look at the casting because that's mm-hmm. pretty essential. There've been so many people, like you said linked to the Wonder Woman movie over the years. You know, you had Joss Whedon at one point, you know, was going to do it. Uh, there, there were just so many people, even Ivan Reitman, the director of Ghostbusters and Kindergarten Cop yeah, and all these other films was going to yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, this has been a development forever. And so, but to finally find the right person in Gal Gadot, for me, like, you know, I had seen the Fast and Furious film she was in, but I did not remember her. Like, yeah. she was forgettable to me. And but I think that's a benefit to this film. I just remember she, she was Han's girlfriend. In. That's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Han was the coolest shit ever. So I'm like, all right, good. Yeah. Then she was dead. And then he died. <laughs> but but it's like the Christopher Reeve as Superman situation. It's essentially an unknown coming in that we can imprint this character onto. Maybe, you know, for better or for worse for her career. But we could say, you know what? She is Wonder Woman now, and that's all we know her as. And the way that they have marketed her and the way that they have developed this character, you know, leading up to the film and in the film itself, I love that she is not sexualized in any way. Like somebody, you know, you got every version of Catwoman ever, barbed wire with Pamela Anderson, even Black Widow in in Iron Man 2 kind of came off at first. Oh, I'm sexy superhero secret agent, you know? And so now to get her as, yes, she's a traditionally beautiful woman, but I've never like had that instant like attraction to her. I always just saw a strong, confident character that I thought was cool. And I think that's a fantastic job that Warner Brothers and everybody who's handled the character up to this point has done. You know, there's not been any cheesecake shots. There's not been her being stupid or, you know, dim-witted somehow. I mean, she's literally just like a confident character who knows what she's doing. Though, you know, in this film, she has a lot to learn. So I I, I was so excited with Gal Gadot in that role. And, and even, I think she's done a wonderful job. And even the small moments where there's a little bit of culture shock and she may not seem on top of things because she's experiencing a culture she's never seen before they play that in just the right way so that it's not condescending to her like when she sees the baby in the street yeah she comes from a society that is all women no children no men so she sees the baby and just loses it right there it's like i want to see oh what a cute baby i just (laughs) that was played so perfectly now this is this is something and we're we're pretty much getting into this um i do want to clean up one thing it brought in a hundred million here in the states for an opening and another 122 million overseas. 
Wow. So in three days, it surpassed the $140 million budget already, opening weekend. Yeah. Nice. So now we're, we're getting into this. So I did love that they were able to, and I believe I have to credit this with Patty Jenkins, that they were able to show all the women in this as strong, independent, and also able to take care of business, which doesn't sacrifice their femininity. And I was impressed that they were diverse in age and in ethnic background, too. Oh, all yeah. The women on the island. And and the other thing, the, I mean, the one knock everybody would have had on, on Gal would have been her accent. Now, how do you mask her accent? Give everyone else the same accent. <laughs> have everyone else on the island learn an Israeli-type accent so that when she comes into the world, that's just her accent. And they did it really masterfully. I mean, going in knowing this, mm-hmm. it's easy to pick out, but I it's one of those things where it's done, it's over with, it's in canon now, and... It flows. It flows. Yeah, and speaking of the island, and I mean, obviously it looked beautiful. They did a wonderful job just kind of with that whole setting. Mm-hmm. But there was a piece of casting there that totally caught me off guard and surprised me. I had no idea until the end credits... That Robin Wright. Yeah, I recognize her from House film. of Cards. I'm like, yeah, Princess, Princess Buttercup. Yeah, Princess, Princess Buttercup Bride. is kicking butt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a total Linda Hamilton yeah. from Terminator to Terminator 2 transformation. Mm-hmm. Like, she's ripped. She's awesome. I had zero had idea that, that was her watching the movie. Yeah, her scar was awesome. But, like, I didn't know it was her. And then I saw the credits and I'm like, wait, Robin Wright was in this movie? Why is she third she, bill? She what looks she? great at 51, doesn't she? She does. I mean, it's fantastic. Like, it was very cool. And she was so, like, you know, uh, committed to that character so i thought that was one of her eyes essentially wonder woman's aunt right and i really thought she was gonna go evil i thought there was gonna be something where like she didn't like that the queen her sister was kind of telling her no don't do this don't do that don't train my daughter to be a warrior and i i was surprised that 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 didn't go anywhere the you know how she ends up that 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 was the the dramatic moment and not some you know sibling rivalry you know scar mufasa she turned baron mordo right there yeah yeah (laughs) all right so let's let's go a little bit into the synopsis Mm -hmm. i i've got it off the top of my head here so we open the movie and there's a little bit of communication between current day wonder woman and batman and she receives the photo the photo that we saw ever so prominently in (laughs) batman v superman where the drum beat kicks in and the yeah. Wonder Woman theme, and where they were exchanging emails right before the epic battle with right, Doomsday, so exactly. So then she decides to start telling us the backstory, mm-hmm. and it opens up with oh, young Diana. <laughs> yeah, it opens up with young Diana learning about the history of the gods. And it's masterfully done in storybook form. Mm-hmm. And we learn vicariously through her as she's Exactly. Learning. Beautifully done. And so Zeus had granted the Amazons a gift that would kill Ares or any god that came up against them again. And we are led that it is the sword, the god killer. So the god killer is packed away and hidden up in a tower And we go through, and Diana is not allowed to be trained. Her mother does not want her to be trained. And 
it's at this point where Antiope, Robin Wright, begins training her secretly. And then once her mother finds out that she's been being trained, they end up training her more and better than any other Amazon. And so we're kind of led to believe there's something going on there, but nothing explicit. And so we get going through, and there's a great training montage where she's nearing the end of her training, where it's pretty much all of the Amazons against her in battle. And we begin finding out, I guess, powers that she has. She uses her bracers to block and ends up wounding her aunt with a concussion, a concussive blast. Mm-hmm. And little by little, we start deepening our knowledge of Wonder Woman, which they did very well. So that anybody who comes in not knowing anything about Wonder Woman has a solid enough backstory of her. And it's at this time where in comes out of the fog into the paradise a plane crashing and Wonder Woman dives in uh, Diana dives in and saves this man talk about Deus Ex Machina yeah literally there's a machine flying in and she's the god and yeah. yeah so she dives in saves our protagonist male in Steve Trevor dude in distress a dude in distress <laughs> the dude in distress um, and then not only him, the the Germans follow him in. Oh, the Germans! Oh, Smithers, no, the Germans! The That's Germans <laughs> in World War One. Let's clarify yes. the setting here. Yeah. World War One. So we're about a hundred years off from this. And at this point, the Germans follow him in, and the Amazons have this battle against the Germans. And this is the first time they're seeing bullets, and it's uh, there are casualties on both sides, mm-hmm. but the Amazons prevail, and this is where Antiope dies. She ends up taking a bullet that was meant for Diana, and at this point, it's whispered, "God killer," and we are all thinking, "Oh, the sword! Go get the sword! Go get the sword!" <laughs> Uh, to be fair, I already knew the secret the moment. Yeah. I just I'm, I'm the type of guy who picks up on these things. Right. I I, I just... kind of avoided a few things, but. So, uh, they bring in Trevor, they question him, they introduce us to the Lasso of Truth, under a different name. And that used to be so corny, they introduced it in such an awesome, organic way that was conducive oh, yes. to the story. It wasn't corny at all whenever it was used in the film. It was really An well interrogation done. device yeah. is yes. what it is. Yeah. yeah. And Puts so, the burn on you. Yeah. And we get an interesting scene of Steve Trevor trying to resist the lasso and he eventually caves and it's spy, there's, spy, spy. there's comedy but it's within reason mm-hmm. so long story short steve is telling her that he needs to get back to his people in order to deliver the book which she believes is Ares caused war and it's the war to end all wars and they begin this little travel montage to leave the island and get away. And so Wonder Woman goes and she picks up the God Killer sword and the lasso and armor. And she's caught she- by her mother leaving the island. Right, and the shield, of course. And she's caught by her mother leaving the island. And her mother just kind of wishes her well and says, You're going to do what you're going to do. I can't stop you. 
And as they leave, we're teased that there's more to it. There's st- the secret is still there, the and the mother still, still didn't have the heart to reveal it. Right. And I had to but, guess what it was. But the mother gives a valid reason. Because somebody says, why didn't you tell her who she is? And the mother says, because the less she knows, uh, or the more she knows, the sooner Ares will find her. So there's a connection there yeah. as to who she is and Ares. And that that was one of the big tells. It was. Yeah. So they go back and they end up in Britain. And the fish out of water thing is pretty hilarious. Mm-hmm. And and we're introduced to Steve's superiors, the British intelligence, a few sketchy guys. A little bit of sexism. I'm glad the film didn't overplay that. They treated right. it. Because a lot of... Uh, Hollywood productions, they make sure to portray the sexism of that era in the most cartoonish, over-the-top way possible. Look how superior we are to these cavemen from this other time. And instead, they just kind of showed it naturally without hammering you over the head with it. it, it they, was they, slight, they were sexist. Right. That's it, you know? It was slight mansplaining of the 21st century. Like, that was all it pretty much was mm-hmm. with a hint of, well, why are we listening to you because you're a woman? That that was it. It wasn't heavy hit, as you were yeah. saying. And so Steve has promised to take her to Ares, where the battle is the heaviest. And as we go along, we pick up a ragtag group of, could we call them heroes? (laughs) Mercenaries Uh, for hire. To be fair, the moment I saw them, I said, this is your typical action movie Rainbow Coalition. Right. Of diverse backgrounds and... The selling point is, are they endearing enough? And I can say most of them were. We'll get into that. Yes, most of them were. So they end up making their way towards the front lines, and they're they're being smuggled across by a Native American chief, and they end up walking through one side of no man's land. They're going to work their way around to the other side to be smuggled into the German side to get close enough to quote-unquote Ares. And at this point, this is where a local woman begins telling Wonder Woman that they've taken the they've taken the village hostage, made them slaves, women and children, and Wonder Woman wouldn't stand for that. And we get the climactic no man's land scene. It was teased. My number one complaint was that there was a bit of a lull in the film that I was starting to drift out and get a little bored. And then when that woman came up and begged for Wonder Woman's help, I perked up again. And one of the film's best moments happens right after that. Oh, yeah. Just no man's land. So Diana ends up climbing out onto the battlefield and all the Germans begin firing on her. And as she's working her way, blocking things, the... The protagonist, Rainbow Coalition, as Colton says, joins in and begins making their way across because she's drawing all the fire. And as they begin knocking off the Germans, the rest of the army behind them joins in and they overtake the Germans. And thus, No Man's Land is no more. No Man's Land was conquered by a woman. Now it's every man's land conquered. Yeah, conquered by a woman. Perfect. And we lead into a battle all throughout a village there with some with its own great moments. Uh, the the bell tower scene, the shield. Just knocking that guy right out the window. That was such a beautiful shot. Oh, that staged one too? Shot. Yeah. Oh. So much great action and a little heavy on the slow-mo. 
Like, we were a borderline Michael Bay here with slow-mo. Snyder had that problem in Batman v Superman. So many... Oh, yeah. I, it bugs a lot of people. I'm the type of guy who lets it slide off, but I can totally see... I remember looking at this and saying, a lot of people are going to think this is excessive. <laughs> I remember seeing thinking that. Right. And so we work our way through, and, well, it ends up leading to... Let's just jump to the, the third act, because there's so yeah. many great moments <laughs> that we can... We can we'll talk yeah. about them, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Yes. So our third act happens, and Wonder Woman or Diana ends up taking down Ares or who she believes is Ares, which was Ludendorff who would snort some blue powder and become stronger, enraged, kind of banish. Say no to drugs. Yeah. Say no to drugs. (laughs) He'll start world war three. But all the while, Dr. Poison has been working on things that were going to head towards London and blow it up with a gigantic, like prototype bomber. And this is where our heroes are divided because Wonder Woman thought she had killed Ares. And she's like, why are people still fighting? Poignant moment. Like, no, you you men, like man as a whole, men and women, they can be evil. She's believed that they were all good and it was Ares that would influence them to be bad. And it's at this point where she realizes, I can't trust any of you. Man, woman, Trevor, I, I can't can't trust you. And he's like... Well, I've I've got to go stop this. Like, if you're going to pout, do your pouty thing. But I, I can't sit here. <laughs> We're literally standing on a base. There's three of us. The, man, the male equivalent of the finger snap. <laughs> and so they go to do their thing. And that's when the real Ares shows up. What a great hiding in plain sight. I have to yeah. Say. They freaking got Lupin from Harry Potter. <laughs> David Thewlis is the actor. And he's playing this guy who's pushing for an armistice. The yeah. guy who's pushing for peace. The last, what, the la, literally the last person you'd expect to be Ares was the guy pushing for the peace treaty, and he's like, well, and, he, and I don't know if I agree with him or not, but boy, does he make an interesting point. I don't really cause them to go to war. I just whisper ideas to them to stimulate the instincts of war that are already there. That's his rationale. Very valid. And yeah, thus, no, I, I will say this: I, I I've been holding off because I was hoping we were just going to get to likes and dislikes. But I, if we're speaking about him at this moment, I have to say, I love so much of this movie that he was the worst part of this film for me. Uh, okay, I, no, I, I did not like that twist, and I did not care for the casting choice. The idea when we see him in a flashback, they put this the you know the werewolf teacher from Harry Potter's nerdy guy head on a buff guy body and it is the most ridiculous looking thing i've ever seen and all throughout their final battle together he's basically just doing his best ian mckellen magneto impression and i thought it was so disappointing i loved the concept of it and the moral choices and kind of challenging her you know her godlike uh, status versus you know her relation to humanity, but I just I felt like having Ares, you know that twist of him showing up at the end, uh, just kind of it came out of nowhere. Yes, it was a surprise, but I just it did not work for me. That that actor and the way he was playing it and the way they put him there because he you know it's like he gets this armor on him to make himself look more intimidating eventually but uh that whole thing just did not play for me at all i had a feeling uh, that there would be reactions like yours so you're not totally out of left field uh, yeah. your reaction i remember even before you said a word i had a feeling that others would feel the way you did and i compared it to the reaction that the movie hancock got 
when Charlize Theron's reveal happens halfway through that film. Right. Would you say it's comparable to that in that it, Definitely. it, it, it is a torpedo like that? It's, it's just not set up very well at all. Like if Ares had shown up at a certain point and like taunted her while she was alone. And so we could know, okay, Ares is real. And then like, she's like, got this, now this personal experience. There he is. Oh, and then he, you know, he knocked me down. He did whatever. And then he disappears. And then the rest of her team comes in. They're like, what happened? Ares was here. Oh, you know, they don't believe her. Like, I feel like that would have helped for her to have a personal issue with him that could have played better at the end. But I kind of And liked... again, not revealing. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you finish. Go ahead. I kind of liked the ambiguity throughout the film of what if it's just a story and there never was an Ares. Because this, this DC universe is trying to have a bit of a grounded science fiction, but sort of right. a grounded realism. What if there never was an Ares and Zeus and Diana and her clan are just really advanced human beings, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I wondered, especially in that moment when the fighting continued and she was having that poignant introspection, are we going to find out there was never an Ares? So I, I don't that throughout the film was really carrying me. Is she going to have a cathartic moment where she finds out that the mythology of her background is not as tangible as she thought it was? Well, in a way, you could argue that it was because... Mm -hmm she believed all along that she was just one of the Amazons and that the sword was the god killer. But it's in this moment where yeah. she attacks Ares where he destroys the sword and it's revealed that she I told, is the god killer. I told my friend the theory like during the first 15 minutes of the film, I, I think Diane is the god killer. I'm pretty sure it's her. You know, the fact that everyone's whispering about her destiny and they won't talk about it. Right. And yet there is this powerful weapon called the god killer. And, you know, they allude to this sword. And I'm just, number one, I'm sorry. I wasn't all that impressed by the sword. It just didn't seem all that great to me. <laughs> no. But, but the fact that they were being all whispery about Diana, that was the giveaway from the jump. And it just got worse as she was finally saying, oh, uh, her mother was going, oh, well, the less we tell her, the less likely Ares is going to find her. I'm like, right. she's the god killer. And the moment that sword broke, I turned to my friend and I said, here it comes. And sure enough, Ares reveals, yes, it is you. You're technically the god killer because only a god can kill another god. And... I was like, yes, vindicated. And yeah. so... And like I said, I mean, oh yeah, you want to finish sharing me no, either one. Yeah, so we end up having a big old drawn out long battle and a few poignant parts. Uh, Trevor ends up sacrificing himself. The way they I, shot that. Yes. It was very Captain America First Avenger. Yeah. Yes, it was very, very influenced. <laughs> but the way they played it out where... She was hit by a concussive blast, mm -hmm. so she couldn't hear, and he is saying... And again, vicariously, we couldn't hear either. Exactly. So he's saying, it's really later, that he can save today, but she can save the world. And obviously, of course, the other line is, I love you, which we kind of anticipated was coming. Surprised it didn't show up sooner, mm -hmm. but she was unable to hear all that, and she was just in a in a daze after that concussive blast and so she gets back up and she's fighting Ares Trevor sacrifices himself by blowing up the whole plane of bombs in the air where it doesn't hurt anyone and she realizes after the blast what he said it all came flooding back to her and it's at that point where she realizes she isn't defeated and the path to overcoming Ares was not through hate which he was begging for her to use anger and hate and war. So Star Wars. Yeah, very much. 
And well, like I say, even even more so X Men, because to really what he was saying is we point. are above these people, and look like they just kill each other. They have war. They're terrible. Like, what is the point? Like that we helmet are doesn't stop the X Men allegory. Yeah. I got the Magneto, yeah. the Magneto yeah. helmet. You can't stop them all, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> and and then she she ends up unlocking a lot of her powers in this battle with flight one could say, or just gliding or floating. And also that she can absorb powers through her bracers and throw it back, which I did have an issue with because uh, continuity errors because, yeah, uh, I'll I'll get to that in a second. I think she did that with Doomsday. Uh, She blocked. She didn't throw it back. I don't know. Uh, She could have saved it for later. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Check the tape. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that does. Anyway, she defeats Ares. Like, if you haven't figured it out already, she wins yeah. the day. And they wrap up the movie. She floats back to, comes back to present day. She thanks Bruce in an email mm-hmm. <laughs> for bringing him back to her, as in Steve Trevor. An email that loudly says we couldn't get Ben Affleck for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't get him to cameo. He was in rehab at this point. He, uh, he, he had time for Suicide Squad. He didn't have time for this. It I, happens, though. I think Contract. he was. The contra- well, either that. Oh. I think he was in rehab, actually. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry. I'm an insensitive fool. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, the, the continuity error, I, she used powers in this that were not present against Doomsday. That's all I'm saying. Uh, uh. She walked away from mankind for a hundred years. Her warrior skills might have been a little rusty. Uh, maybe. But on maybe. the other hand, she admitted that she'd killed things from other worlds before. When did that happen? So, I, you know, who knows? Right. Plenty of stories to tell. Yeah. All right. Well, any moments that stood out to you that you really want to specifically we, we talk wanted, about? We wanted to go over the Rainbow Coalition and how they yeah. ranked. Yeah. The sore thumb was that Scottish marksman guy. On a on an annoying scale of one to ten, he was Jar Jar Binks to me. He was nails <laughs> on a chalkboard to me. I I am so glad we didn't see a whole lot of him because what little we did see, I loathed. I thought he was so freaking annoying. Adam, uh, what do you think? Well, I thought he was lovable enough, but I loved this group. The reason being is that, you know, obviously we had this guy. I don't know if he's Persian or Moroccan or what he's supposed to be. Samir. I Uh, I believe he's French. French, yeah. And so, like, so we we have this guy. We have the Scottish guy who's a little over the top. We have the Native American chief. Now, I wanted to mention... Uh, for those who don't know, I'm I'm living on the Navajo reservation right now. I saw this in a theater that was 99% Navajo people. So I was watching a movie with Native Americans, and when Chief came on the screen, they were kind of like mumbling, but in a good way. Like they were excited to see like an actual Native American character on screen. I could tell there was a positive response. But then the the thing that I loved about this group is each of them got a personal kind of friendship moment with Diana to have a conversation. They were fleshed out. She actually cared about them. They went through these battles and adventures together, which is what I felt was missing from Captain America, the first Avenger with the howling commandos. Yes, we could they, have used they gave more. Us, yeah. All we got mm-hmm. was this quick montage of, Oh, we did all this stuff together, you know, after a, that's why I appreciated the short films that came later and the, the appearance on agents of shield. It gave us more howling commandos. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Agent Carter and all of that. It gave us a little more depth, but this one, 
the one glaring omission, I believe, with this ragtag group would have been there was no payoff for the Scotsman. Yeah. Because yes, he true. was bragging that he was the greatest marksman. And he got one opportunity and choked. And yeah. there was no makeup for that ever. And, and that's where we're kind of introduced to the PTSD element, where he was suffering from it, but he got no vindication from it. And there so, are no deleted yeah. scenes. They made that very that, clear with this production. Patty Jenkins did say so. everything they filmed is on the film, and there's no deleted scenes. So, well, what I found so was out of luck. Yeah, his one contribution to the group, according to Diana, who would sing for us if you left, you know? So, yeah. like, basically, he sings and he's their their mascot, I guess. He can't get off a shot, but he could bring joy to the group. So okay, that was fine. But, but that's also kind of the the womanly thing is to not leave someone out. Like, Correct. he was the one yeah. that said, well, I've made my contribution, so I think I'm taking the road here and leaving and that's when she says, well, but who would sing for us? And and that that wouldn't have been paid off by a male director, I don't believe. Yeah. Well, and speaking of those, like the matronly or just the mm-hmm. compassion of, of a woman, like for me, my favorite scene was leading up to No Man's Land where they're walking and entering that area and seeing how the war is affecting soldiers that are injured. You know, a child that's alone without parents, all of these things. And she literally wants to save everyone. Right. And then, you know, they're trying to say, no, we have a mission. The best way we can save people is to complete our mission. And she just won't have it. She's like, I have to do what I could do to save everybody. I'm just, and I love that about this. The mission had too many detours. Yeah, exactly. In a way. Mm-hmm. So I, I just thought that was fantastic. I love that we're getting a hero who does not start out damaged and that ha- psychologically has to deal with having powers and then learn to be a hero. She's a hero from the get go. She's, um, you know, she's idealistic. She's, you know, got her concept of what's going to happen. And it's a little bit simplistic, but it's so wonderful to see that in a film where it's just like, no, she's good all the way through, but not in a corny way. She's just like, no, I believe and I'm going to go with what I believe and help people and do the right thing. Like uh, that's agreed. And there's beautiful. there's also the element of she is the warrior. So there's no controversy with her taking a life, which mm-hmm. she took plenty during this. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that's been played out across the the animated movies. Uh, Justice League War, I believe, was one where they introduced her and had the little ice cream scene. And which is awesome, which was also a new 52 thing, I believe. So they paid, they put built in little Easter eggs and things that were nice, but weren't over the top. And, and her thing is she's the warrior. Like if something needs to be done and a life needs to be taken, she's the one that'll step up and do it where Batman and Superman won't. But I like that she was allowed to have also more dimensions where you could have easily said she's either like super tough warrior woman, kind of like Xena warrior princess was for the most part in most of her episodes. I'm just yeah. serious. I'm tough. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm like a dude, but I'm a woman. You well, know, like, but that was where... another era there. Exactly. I, I, I announced on Facebook, this was Xena on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I love that she has those tender moments, you know, with the baby, the other things we talked about, but also the concept of, 
uh, her relationship with Steve Trevor. I love that they are a hundred percent equals in their romantic tension. Like neither is being entirely smitten by the other. It's literally like they're more, they're both, they're both focused mm. on their mission and their ideals and the and intellectual happen, joust. Yes. Yeah. But and they happen to kind of fall in love with each other. So when they have that romantic interlude very briefly, it's totally mutual. You totally feel like, you know what? We're both, you know, adults here. We both feel this way. Let's let's, you know, act on it. And I just again, that was very refreshing, too, that it wasn't like, oh, you know, macho man wins the woman or guy is overtaken by the woman's beauty. It was neither. It was we have legitimate affection for each other and we're going to show that. The, the back and that she, she made it clear that she didn't need him, but, you yeah. know. <laughs> We are perfectly uh, so, capable of happiness without men. Yeah, be uh, <laughs> be cautious with what age children you're yes. taking. Yeah, or, that was or be awkward. able to. Uh, I would observe the PG-13 things. pretty strictly on yes. this one, strictly for the dialogue and innuendo alone. And, and on the borderline boat ride. for the for the violence. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot in there, but yeah, I mean, technically it was a one night stand because he didn't survive much past that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was very tasteful. The light but went out, and that was it. I I do have to say. The the rumor mill is he'll be back in the oh, sequel. No, come on. No, no. The director has said it. It's been. We saw the plane explode. There, he could have uh, had a parachute. It was off screen. It was a death yeah. off screen. Which, mm-hmm. in all movies, you in know, all comic books, yeah. Anything that happens off screen didn't exactly happen the way you think it did. I call it well, as long as rules. they don't do it like they did in the in the series, in the TV series, you know, the first season was set in World War Two and then they updated it and made it the 70s yeah. in the second season. And they just had Steve Trevor come back. But he was Steve Trevor's son who looked identical to him. Uh, so uh, there, <laughs> there's rumors. It may, be, it may be similar that way. Oh, come on. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. But I well, wanted so. to ask Adam about uh, the crowds, uh, the Navajo crowd's reaction to the chief. Um, yeah. His, his story was, I don't want to say this in a derisive way, he was kind of, in terms of commerce. A displaced In person. commerce, he was playing both sides to just get mm-hmm. by. And he was talking about, you know, how he, his family, his nation, rough background. Steve's asleep at the time, so Steve doesn't say right. anything. But he's basically saying Steve's people displaced me a little bit. Yeah, uh, I was just curious. Everything. Did uh, did the crowd did the crowd you were with have any type of reaction to that? You know, how did they take that that portrayal? Well, yeah, like I said, like they, I think, I mean, obviously that's a part of the history, and it's something I hear about here. Mm-hmm. Although it's not something that is, uh, I, I don't feel a an anger or anything like that. You know, in in my relationships with with my friends out it's, here, it's more but, of a historical, like it happened. But yeah, we understand this, and I think they appreciated that it was acknowledged in that way it's because it's very clear it's like look chief is doing what he has to do to get by and this is his life now and he has these skills and he could apply them so yeah like i said it was it seemed like a very positive reaction every time he was on screen i could kind of hear the the talking around me and so i thought that was really cool and and i obviously it gave me a very different perspective now when i see native american characters on screen because I, I felt like the film was not trying to judge him negatively, and I wanted to make sure that that came across to them. That's what yeah. I was curious oh, about. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. He was just, he was who he was. And mm-hmm. um, Now, I'm curious to know, you know, because this is, it's, it's a great movie, but were there some things that didn't work for you guys where you're just like, ah, okay, well, you know, almost a tad, but, like, where, where did you fall on things? I already mentioned of... the Scotsman. The other thing yeah. is the final shot. 
slow motion flying through the sky. That was too <laughs> on the nose for me. That made me cringe a little bit. Yeah, what was her the... mission? What was she going to do? <laughs> Maybe it was dark side coming, you know? I guess, yeah. Just got yeah, the email was, for Batman. It was a little, a little too cheesy and over the yeah. top. The is she flying? Is she just jumping? And it's off into the next and... adventure. Just so on the nose. It yeah. was too much for me. But <laughs> there were no post-credit scenes. Like this is a complete movie from beginning mm-hmm. to end. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you like? DC the... doesn't really do that. The only one that did that was Suicide Squad. Right. None of the others did it. So how, how did you guys like the? Uh, the DC intro. That was cool. I, I love seeing that. Yeah, very, just those kind of iconic poses nice. of the characters. Yeah. So and, and they weren't just showing the movie equivalent. They were trying to focus on right. the or the original comic book equivalent. You know. Um, mm-hmm. What was it? Justice League Unlimited it looked like it. Yeah, it was very reminiscent of kind one of, of in the, the shadow because of the silhouette. gigantic cast. Yeah. 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 So there there were all sorts of hints as to future of the DC mm-hmm. universe in there, the past and the present and. I'm hoping that they'll, they'll keep that going, much like Marvel has their pages I flipping. I want ones. Booster Gold. End of story. <laughs> there you are need treatments. a TV show. I feel like Booster the Gold, the greatest yeah. hero you've never heard of till now. Right. <laughs> but but I'm just I'm sorry. I just threw that out there. It's bad, bad now, fun. as for things that didn't jive well with me, there wasn't too much. Like I I took this as kind of I went in with low expectations so that I can be blown away. Which it happened. Yep. Like there were little inconsistencies, little, little things. Like the the biggest thing that jumped out at me was she just quote unquote killed Ares with this god killer sword, and she just leaves it in him on top of the roof. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I saw that too. I was like, what? Grab the, the sword. Like Grab minutes, yeah. the sword. And I I had Ooh. hoped that uh, how they were going to play that out was Ludendorff was going to quote-unquote die and then come back as Ares in full form just to the show real her that Ludendorff carried on right. to support Hitler in real life so who knows right so I was I was hoping there was going to be that kind of twist but I did know that David Thewlis was going to be playing Ares so oh, okay. eh, they, they built one up to let us down with the payoff. I yeah, guess. total red herring, and it, but it was kind of disappointing. Like I said, yeah. The way However, that I understand out. the reason why they had that shot—the dramatic walking away. From oh yeah, your epic battle. I and then him. It being... would it would have been a little bit. Oh, how do I say this? Campy. If she suddenly darted back. Oh yeah. Grab the sword and then took off. That <laughs> well, that would have gotten a laugh, but it might have hurt. Well, she could have walked away, not looking at it, and just like pulled it out as she's walking away. Yeah. I feel and, like they could have done a cool shot. And this may have been just the way it was cut, yeah. but there was the scene where she leaves the roof, and then all of a sudden there's another scene where she's coming back down from the roof with the sword. So, uh, granted, you can't have her go, oh, I need this, and go up, get it, and come back, but why not just save the time and have her pull it out and then come down from the roof? Yeah. Speaking of that nitpicking here, just, just to be completely honest. Um, where, where do we, where do we stand on this guys? We're, we're running short on time here tonight. So Colton, where do you stand on this? What's your rating? Oh gosh. Just, it's relative, but not absolute. You know, I, I have a hard time doing that, but um, gosh, I will say that it is better than the theatrical cut of Batman v Superman. I think we can all agree on that. All right, 
It's better than both cuts. Really? Do you? Because <laughs> I gotta say, the ultimate cut really, really impressed me. It fleshed things out, but it wasn't. I, I have. I forgot, wasn't on l- par with this. I've forgotten how many times I've watched the ultimate cut. It has impressed me that much. I've lost count. Ah. So I'm just. I'm just saying, it's really impressed me. I yeah. Um. So gosh, I feel like it's about on par with Man of Steel. I know that's a very divisive film, but I just. That film, just all these years later, it still impresses me as a debut in this universe. Uh, gotcha. I, I'm open to it being better than Man of Steel, but I'm, I will say that I felt every bit as thrilled and joyful walking out of it as I did from Man of Steel. So I am willing to give this film an 8.5 for now, and it could go up all right. on repeat viewings. Adam, where do you stand? Well, you know, on the DC Extended Universe film scale, which is, there's quite a curve there, I give it a 10. I mean, this is literally <laughs> the best of these films, and I could watch it, you know, and enjoy it. But as a superhero movie in general, I, I give it an 8. I mean, it's good, but for me, it still kind of has a problem with the villains, like so many of these movies do. Like, there's a reason we hardly mention Lutendorf and Dr. Poison, because they're in it as bad guys, but you never know their motivations, especially Dr. Poison. Like, did she have a traumatic experience as a kid? That's why she likes causing pain to other people killing him. What is her relationship to Lutendorf? All these things is yeah, not explained. She, she, was she survived, a... so we may right. get that down the road. She was such Hopefully. a red skull to me. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. Like, she is just a female <laughs> Johann Schmidt. Yeah, and then not like quite the, Red the, Skull, more the. Uh, oh, I, I am a genius who needs to be appreciated, and I want to yeah. roll over this world. <laughs> I'm fed up with this world. Sorry, <laughs> I had to reference the room there. Sorry. Yeah, but uh, so so like, but what this did for me, you know, I, I think it is wonderful. Like, unfortunately, I think Justice League is gonna be a step backwards. We're gonna get back into the Zack Snyder style of filmmaking, all action, no relatable emotion, no solid out a little story. Bit. Well, now, yeah. hold on, because you can't say it fully like that. Because, yes, Zack Snyder has his issues. Mm-hmm. And, granted, this story, Wonder Woman's story, was written by Zack and Deborah Snyder. Mm, yes. They made but the then the screenplay but it was, was realized by Alan Heinberg. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was realized by other people. So, And I also believe Justice League is going to be getting some fleshing out here. Um, prior to Zack Snyder stepping down, mm-hmm. uh, for familial reasons, his his daughter had committed suicide back in March, and they kept it under wraps. He hoped to kind of push through it and finish the film, but uh, the emotional weight of it mm-hmm. just brought him to the point where he needed to step down and be with his family. Yeah. And so he and Deb stepped down, and they have a very capable guy stepping in who was already scripting reshoots for Zack Snyder in Jed Whedon. Uh, Joss Whedon? Joss Whedon. Whedon. Jed Whedon is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, Joss knows a thing or two about superhero team-up films, or so I've heard. It's kind of, he's got some experience in this But it's already been shot. He's just editing it. And And, and and they're doing major reshoots. He's doing reshoots. Not necessarily major. It was... It reshoots. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. every film they, does they, reshoots. They, they, so. For the past 10 years, every major tentpole film has reshoots in their schedule before the cameras even begin rolling. Right. Just in case they get in the editing room and saying, you know what, we could make these changes here, you know? Exactly. And that, just, that's what I meant by major, is that they had to bring in Joss Whedon to head this 
I feel like that makes it major, even if it's not yeah. going to be World War Z level major. You no, know? no, no. He he was already brought in to script okay. things. Okay. And it was at this point where they were like, okay, well, now you're just going to direct them. Mm-hmm. And Joss has said that these are going to be directed with the tone and feel of Zack Snyder. He's, he's going to be true to, yeah. So this is still a Zack Snyder production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It will be better than Batman v Superman. It won't be on par with Wonder Woman. But, but, but if, they, if they could produce the Flash and Aquaman films with this balanced tone and a solid story that's kind of self-contained and leads it a little bit to the expanded uh, universe. That's why I'm hoping Flash. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that I think they could really, you know, bring something. Maybe this first Justice League won't be great, but maybe the one after the fact. Yeah, you know, the, the second follow-up Justice League should film be. Could be something. That's yeah. why I'm hoping the Flash gets Robert Zemeckis. I think he really could do that. Yeah, he's he's quote unquote in talks, mm-hmm. or he's he's had meetings, but is not in talks. That's how it's yeah. been clarified. <laughs> yeah, but he's the only one that they're talking to at the moment. So, so anyway, fingers crossed. Yeah, Aquaman is looking and sounding excellent. James Wan is doing wonders James for that. James Wan is the guy who cleaned up the mess that Furious Seven could have been with what happened with Paul Walker. Uh, so I've agreed. got great confidence in him. So, and the Flash, they're they're possibly losing actors due to scheduling conflicts and it being pushed out and pushed mm-hmm. out. So we'll we'll have to see on that. Yeah. But uh, Adam, what's your final uh, rating on this one? Yeah, final rating. Like I say, it's it's an eight point five. I mean, it's a solid film that I really recommend people go see, and you'll probably want to see it multiple times. I know I do. So yeah, it's definitely one I'd like to see again, and it'll go in the collection, obviously. But it, I'm sure there are things that I'd pick up on a second viewing that would help me boost this a little more. But I would say definitely it's a solid eight and a half, as everyone has said. We're unanimous here. But I'm <laughs> leaning leaning higher, possibly a nine. But, I mean, you're getting into the, the nitpicky stuff. And I'm glad that DC finally got a win on their hand. Yeah. It's nice to see. I'm glad they <laughs> the finally. That I the hope it creates... is Gal Gadot. Yeah. She she's the glue that's going to hold all these expanded universe movies together because she's in everything, and I think they know that. Right. Like she's the one that grounds it. You know, like everything else seems to kind of be falling apart around them. But if she's in everything, I think it gives people some hope and some confidence in what they're doing. So I think it's it's wonderful they have her. This film has generated so much positive political capital. For yeah. the DC brand, for the WB brand, that I really think that it's going to... They just increased Justice League's opening weekend by what they've done here. Oh, you know? yes. Definitely. I was worried because it was going to be a two-parter, and now it's going to be a one-parter, so it made me wonder how much yeah, is going Yeah, it's going to be a concise scenes. story in yeah. and of itself. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Colton, where can the people find you? Uh, I'm everywhere. But, but yeah, twi- <laughs> Twitter, at Colton Gavin, is where I hang out, and Facebook, same deal. Yeah. Adam... Well, you can find me at Twitter, too, if you could spell at Hoju Coolander. But uh, also check me out over on the Sequel Quest podcast. We got a lot more fun stuff coming up this year, so keep an eye out. All righty, and this has been another Sequel Quest production of Sequel Chat. We hope you enjoyed all the fun of today's show and invite you to check out our regularly scheduled podcast, Sequel Quest, where we imagine the next installments of your favorite movie franchises. Find Sequel Quest on iTunes, SoundCloud, or at SequelQuestPod.com now.